25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yeah, baby! It's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> What's happening with you? Man, I tell you what, I'm tickled that it's Friday. Glad the weekend is here. Hanging out in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team. Farm Bureau, local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. Welcome into the show. You can be a part of the show. I appreciate you tuning in on this Friday. One way you can do it is to um, hit us up on the text line at 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. And you can also give a shout on the Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Hit us up right there. It's 995-1059. 601 number. 995-1059. Roger, are you tickled that it's Friday? Man, I am excited. I think I can tell your excitement is genuine. <laughs> I No, uh, really, it is. It yeah, is. It is. Now, um, when we're talking about the weekend, like we always get excited for the weekend. I don't yeah. know why. It's not like I got a lot going on. <laughs> Some of us we wonder why, don't we? Maybe that's the thing. I don't have a lot going on, so it's Well, good. you know, behind the curtain here, if you're listening to the show, here's a look behind the green curtain. But Roger, he finds these cool articles and interesting nuggets of information out there and he'll pass them along to me sometimes before the show via email and it may not always be sports related, sometimes it is. And I started doing the same thing. You know, you pick up a few things here and there. Roger, I sent you a few links. One of the links that I found was this list of fast food orders that contain the most calories in the entire country. I have a list of the highest caloric intake of any fast food, right? A top 10 list. And doggone, if you don't send me a link yourself... Coming back the other way that says, here are America's favorite and least favorite sandwiches. I think we were thinking about food this morning, Roger. Great minds think alike. That's what I think. We were thinking about food. (laughs) So I'm going to get into all that. Also uh, coming up later, Brett Hudson. Brett underscore Hudson. He's a part of our media team here at the company. And... He has a nice kind of in-depth, comprehensive piece about Mississippi State football. They're starting practice today. Did y'all know that? State starts practice tonight. Practice number one. Yeah. If you follow 
beat writers and you know folks covering your team and stuff, get ready. You're starting. To, you're going to start seeing pictures <laughs> of guys in uniform and scrimmage reports. And if you haven't gotten your tailgate planned, you better get started. I got to do something with tailgate stuff next week, Roger. So that we have me better parking too. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Fork it out for a parking pass. They like to kill me last time. Well, I was I was soaking wet by the time I got to the Coliseum. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know about all the little trolleys and all that mess. Uh, I just walked, man. Yeah, in the rain, (laughs) idiot. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's all part of the experience, Roger. Can't get that at home. Watching, no, you can't. (laughs) But. yeah, your tailgate's a big deal for people cooking and stuff. So we're gonna we gotta jump in on some of that also. And going forward, Louvier's already weighed in on his least favorite sandwich. It's an ice cream sandwich. What? Yeah. Man, I love the ice cream sandwich. Look, my daughter is finally kind of making her way out of the week long recovery after having her tonsils removed. But during that week, I, you ought to see our freezer, Roger. You got all kinds of treats in there. It's full of ice cream and popsicles. Still is. And and yes, I will admit, I've eaten some of it myself. <laughs> I bet you have. I've had quite a few ice cream sandwiches during this stretch. And I don't have any problem with them whatsoever. But Louvier is weighed in. That's his least favorite sandwich. All right, so here's the thing. <clears throat> Mississippi State football starting practice today, tonight. You know what makes me think of football practice more than anything else? Something that is, it it has to do with your senses. What do you think it is? I guarantee somebody already knows the answer, knows what I'm going to say. It has to do with your senses. What's something that triggers flashbacks to football practice more than anything else. For me, it's the smell of cut grass. Yeah, and it does not have to be the grass cut or or mowed at a practice field, you know, some football team's practice field or at an actual football field. No, just any grass. (laughs) I mean... Well, not just any. Well, okay. (laughs) Some grass smells different than others. I'll give it that. By the way, but that does feel like uh, that does. That, I, I know yeah. what you mean. Though. So, uh, side note, you brought it up. Here I am chasing a rabbit. This is what happens. ADD got my hands up. It's just what it is what it is. But you mentioned the other kind of grass. I was watching this thing, this interview with Patton Oswalt, the comedian. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, little yeah. short, stubby guy. Yeah, exactly. He was in the movie Blade Three. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and like the first two are pretty good, but apparently the third one was absolutely horrible. His That's quote with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Activator. Yes. His yeah. quote about it was it, it, you know, if you knew if people that know the scenario around trying to get that movie made, they're they you'll watch the movie and be amazed. If you don't know it, you're going to watch it and think it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what he said was that it almost didn't happen because Wesley Snipes was so hard to work with that he stayed in his trailer all the time. His actor trailer wouldn't come out. And anytime you walk by it, the smell of marijuana would knock you down as you walked by his trailer. <laughs> and he said it would just like, 
almost literally stop you in your tracks. It was that strong, emanating from Wesley Snipes' trailer on the uh, set of the movie Blade Three, and he said that. Uh, it was a lot of pressure when you go to the IRS, all that money. <laughs> he said that Snipes <laughs> was uh, like losing his mind, going crazy, and he wouldn't talk to anybody, hardly. And so instead of talking, he had a little uh, uh, sticky note pad. He'd write notes and just hand them over to people. But the really? thing, yes, he said. The, yeah, he said, but the thing is, he also wouldn't go by his name. He wouldn't allow anybody to call him Wesley or Snipes or anything. You had to refer to him as Blade. And he said, so he would write his, <laughs> he'd write his little notes on the sticky pad and like hand it to the director, and he would he would sign every note down at the bottom, Blade. <laughs> what little I know about acting, I think that's called the uh, method. The what? That's method acting. Oh, method, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, where you just kind of become the character. Uh, well, apparently Blade, later in life, Blade only communicated with sticky notes, and he signed every one of them. <clears throat> anyway, there's that. So there's our chase in a rabbit. All right, back over to grass. <laughs> yeah, this time of year, man, I can even be riding up and down the highway, you know, like on the Natchez Trace, and they've got the big mowers in the median, Roger, and yeah, I smell that smell that cut grass bahia grass and all and it just hits me and i think it just you have these flashbacks of walking out onto the practice field and when you're going through it especially for freshmen it's another thing to think about you know a junior or a senior those guys are older you know 22 23 a lot of them married families (laughs) some of them anyway and they've been through it a bunch it's just kind of part of life. It's just you're in a routine. It's no big deal. But when you're that first-year player, that freshman especially, you're out of high school and you show up and you're going through your first fall camp. Now, it is not as physically demanding now as it was 20 years ago. That's a fact. And 20 years ago, it wasn't as demanding as 30 years ago. And that wasn't as demanding as the 60s when Bear Bryant ran everybody off and they wrote a book about it called The Junction Boys. You know, it's just every generation gets a little less strenuous in the preseason camp, I guess. But So it is easier now. They can't even have two practices a day now. But 20 years ago when I was in school, 20 years ago would have been my senior year at college. And uh, every year of college, this time of year, we kicked off practice and we had, oh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 14 straight days of two-a-day practices. Practicing twice a day in this heat, twice a day, every day, for two weeks. The old two-a-days. The old two-a-days. And at the end of that stretch, the entire team, you'd lose track of what day it was, what day of the week, what day on the calendar, when do we play, how many more practices do we have? I mean, you just, you got zombies walking around. And I, I, it was just the way of doing things back then maximizing the practice time the NCAA allowed, but I don't think it was good. I think you had a lot of practices. You've gotten a lot more done if your players were rested. But uh, it did teach toughness, that's for sure. But, man, I just remember showing up. Roger, I don't know. People don't remember this. I, I don't think they still do this, but back then, all the newcomers practiced first 
and then the upperclassmen showed up. Okay, so you've heard this term, the report date? Yeah. See, what we did, again, we're going back 20, 25 years ago, but what we did is freshmen and new players, including JUCO transfers, all showed up three days earlier than the rest of the team. We reported three days earlier and started going through practices for three days before the other guys got there. The older guys, the good players. <laughs> um, and so what I remember my freshman year, my first fall there was 1995, and we began practice. It's just freshmen. And you're having what we called freshman two-a-days. And the first one that we had, like halfway through the practice, we had to go into the indoor facility because this big storm came up or whatever. And you'd much rather practice outside in the storm because in the facility it's not air-conditioned at all. It's like walking into an oven in there in the summertime. And we had guys puking in that first practice. I did. I puked. It was just uh, brutally hot in there. <laughs> it got, and all I'm doing is playing quarterback. Handing the ball off, throwing a few passes, you know, alternating. I sure did. I threw up in my first practice ever at State. I'm sure that made a nice impression. Well, this kid came in out of shape. Look at him. He's over there puking. <laughs> I didn't quit. I mean, I came back out and just kept going. You get through it somehow, some way. It does build some toughness. Did that, you modify the way that you ate or the time that you ate so that you wouldn't have anything on your stomach? Oh, no. I wasn't that smart. And see, the thing is, we we didn't have these nutritionists and stuff that they have now. You know what I mean? We just had the athletic dorm, which was just for preseason, and a big you know, training table, which was a big buffet, Roger, I I actually gained some weight during my first two days at Mississippi State, practicing twice a day in that heat. So it, was your what they fed you guys was different than what the other no uh uh-uh. what was well I mean it's it's more food than you've ever seen in your life. We right, had the buffet. We had, yeah, that was the the meal plan, the cafeteria plan at MC as well. But you're practicing every day, twice a day. You ought to be losing weight. You ought to be having right. to shove it down to keep yeah. from losing weight. So, yeah. the, and they weigh you every few days. And so they, the trainer, the head trainer, his name is Paul Mock. And Paul said, "Matt, what are you doing to gain weight?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so he started asking me these questions, and uh, <clears throat> he finally kind of gets down to it. He's like, "What are you eating?" I'm telling him. You eating a lot of ice cream in the dorm? No, not no. Pizza? No, no. And then he goes, "What do you drink?" He goes, "You drink a lot of beer." I'm like, "No, drink any." He goes, "Well, what do you drink with your meals? You drink water?" I said, "No, I I drink milk." Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's like, "You drink whole milk?" Whole milk? Yeah. He goes, "Where are you getting it?" I was like, "They got it on tap. They have cold whole milk in there on tap." <laughs> you know, and I've grown up my whole life. And my parents telling me. Stop drinking up the milk. It's expensive. <laughs> you know, it's 9 o'clock at night. I want a bowl of cereal. They're like, nope. We're, we're going to have some milk left. <laughs> so I get there. They've got cold, whole milk on a tap. And I'm drinking four or five glasses at every meal. Big glasses. <laughs> there you go. It's like ice cream, man. And it's like eating ice cream. And so, yeah, I gained a bunch of weight. Well, I say a bunch, I gained a few pounds, and that was the key. They said, well, look. 
Stop drinking so much milk, all right? We just want to kind of maintain your weight where it is. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get up there with Jared, <laughs> the hefty lefty, if you didn't watch out. I know. I could track him down. But, you know, we had those for And Ricky Black, Coach Black, who's the head coach at Jackson Prep, you know, a great coach, he was our tight ends coach back then in the mid-'90s at Mississippi State. He was a tight ends coach there at State. And what I remember about those freshman two-a-days, two or three things, that, that Coach Black had a way of endearing himself to every player by picking on them a little bit, but in a really nice kind of, subtle way. Everybody liked Coach Black. One is because he took the time to speak to everybody at some point. And two is, like I say, he had a way of picking on you. So what he did is, like, we'd be freshmen getting in there, getting taped, uh, you know, with the trainers and, you know, kind of putting the pads on, getting ready to go out for practice. And he would walk through those mornings or afternoons and say, morning men, are the good players here yet? <laughs> And, you know, we like we knew it was true because we had guys like Eric Moles and Brent Smith and Walt Harris and all those guys who were going to report three days later because they're the upperclassmen. The, the starters don't have to come in until later. <laughs> and, so, yeah, he'd remind us of that every morning. Morning, man. Are the good players here yet? And one of those freshman two-a-days, Ricky Black walks up to me. We're out there getting loose at like 8 in the morning. It's so hot, the dew is like – turning the steam and rising up off the field, you know. You're already drenched with sweat by 8.30 a.m. and smell of that cut grass. But we're out there throwing, getting loose before morning practice. And Coach Black comes up to me, puts his arm around me, and he goes, how's it going? Yeah, everything going okay? Yes, sir, it's fine. He says, how many good passes did you throw yesterday? One? Two? One or two? <laughs> And then he's looking at me with this serious look on his face. I'm like, come on, coach. And then he begins to laugh, you know. So he had a way of of picking on us. Uh, but you loved him for <laughs> you loved him for it anyway. And I just think about what all these guys are going through. Again, especially those freshmen. You're getting some funny texts, by the way. Let's see. Where are they? All right, let's see. Can I feeling hear, nostalgic. Okay, so it says, yeah. can I hear an episode of Blast from the Past with Matt Wyatt? Who hit or sacked you the hardest in a game and a defender you would never throw towards? I love hearing your football stories. I think the, the toughest lick, two, two of the toughest licks I took, number one is a sack that was my fault against Alabama and Tuscaloosa in 97. You know, we kind of dominated that game, but there was this one goal line play we were going to throw it out of the shotgun, and I'm supposed to read blitz on one side and I took my eyes off of it and I shouldn't have and the guy just tattooed me a decleater a decleater sack in the backfield only reason the I didn't duty. man <laughs> the only reason I didn't fumble is because he pinned the ball to me <laughs> I couldn't have fumbled if I don't wanted to that's how hard he hit me and I mean you know that that's pr- the first thing that hits the ground is the back of your head you know okay. you don't know which way is up I mean the whole stadium goes ooh you know, one of those. And then the other was uh, a concussion against Georgia uh, the year before in 96. Uh, I'm stepping one way, and then I turn to go the other way, and then as soon as I turn my face, there's this Georgia defensive lineman, airborne, horizontal, um, <laughs> s- like spearing right into my face, and bam! 
and got a concussion. Yeah, I, the truth is um, we ran a bunch more plays, and the next day when I saw them on film, I was kind of convinced that I had dreamed them in my sleep. But yet, there they were on film. They actually happened. Your your brain can play some some weird tricks on you. The memory didn't lock in too good. Yeah, and and look, I've had concussions. I'm convinced that's why you, you forget some things. There are some things that, that my friends and family members remember details of that I have no recollection of at all. But I guess we're all that way to a degree, but anyway. We had a guy called up another show. We had Marcus Dupree on, and yeah. he'd played him in high school. Talking about trying to defend, and, and you know, he he woke <laughs> up when, when he came to. Marcus was already on the other end of the field. <laughs> <laughs> when he woke up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I bet. That's great. Um Let's see, Jonathan says, how many of those hardest hits would cause a defensive player to be ejected in today's game? Yeah. You know, truth is, the one against Georgia probably would have definitely been a targeting deal now. Uh, It was just a good hit in 96, yeah. That 96 game against Georgia is also the game where I got sacked by Kirby Smart, the current head coach of the University of Georgia. How about that? Little old bitty rascal. He's like half my size, but sacked me. That's how terrible I was. <laughs> I was so bad Kirby that Smart. I got sacked by Kirby Smart. It's like getting sacked by Nick Saban. I should have been able to just put my hand on his head and hold him out there until help arrived. <laughs> Jeez. All right, just getting started with you on a Friday. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Da-da, dum-dum, da-da, back on the show. I'm Matt. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. On the text line at 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Unnamed texture says, definitely dreaded the two-a-days. But was forced to water cotton and corn in the Delta all summer for my dad, so I was ready to go. Man, that's the key. <clears throat> that's the key for any football player. There's nothing, there's really nothing that's going to totally have you completely and utterly prepared for those practice, if you're practicing right, completely and utterly prepared for going through it. They're always going to be tougher than you can prepare for. I mean, you can get in shape, get through them. They're always going to kick your butt, even the most well-conditioned athlete, those preseason practices. But staying out in the heat in the summer is the key. Because just you'll get acclimated, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you're out in it, in the sun, and in the heat, every day for the summer, it just makes it that much easier once you start practicing. But if you sit your butt inside, play video games, and 
Enjoy the sweet AC all summer. The early practices at two-a-days are going to absolutely work you over. That That is always going to be true, for sure. Uh, Spence in Brookhaven on the text line. What's up, old Brook? Brookhaven, huh? Spence says, hey, Matt, was Coach Grant at Mississippi State when you were there? He was, Spence. He was our strength and conditioning coach like 97? Did he take over in 96 or 97? Somewhere in there. He said, I went through summer camp with him in in 2000 at State. I lost 32 pounds that summer. (laughs) Walked on that year as a punter. And, hey, uh, football is here, Spence. I appreciate the uh, kind words. Thank you. Yeah. Mike Grant. He was our strength and conditioning coach there in the late 90s. Great guy. If you go back and you watch games from like 98, 99, he was our get-back coach, walking along the sideline, making sure we got back. Yeah. He dreamed up some stuff now, summer workout stuff to get us ready for practice. The hill, in fact, the hill that used to be sitting over there right now where the current football facility sits on Mississippi State's campus, the SEAL complex, right where Joe Moorhead's office is right now, used to be just a great big hill next to a practice field. And on that hill, Coach Grant went up there one year and put in a sand pit and a bunch of big tractor tires and an obstacle course and a bunch. It was like something straight out of basic training for the military. He tried his best to turn us into Marines that summer. Yeah. But one thing we one thing we always were under Mike Grant is well conditioned. No question about it. I never walked off, but I did have one workout one time under Mike Grant where my body absolutely quit. It just quit. Mentally I was willing, my heart was willing, my muscles would not go anymore. And, and the thing that pushed me over the edge, the last thing I did in the weight room was this max out leg press deal where you're That'll down, you. you know, you're down there on the, the, you know what I'm talking about. I've done the same thing all the way till there wasn't any more juice in there. Yeah. And I, it's the only time I ever experienced it was we do the leg press thing and I, I stand up from there and we're supposed to head straight on out to the track because we do these sprinting things where you're pulling a parachute. <laughs> And Roger, I could barely jelly legs. I jelly legs. I could barely walk out there, and and no matter how long I waited that afternoon, my legs would not recover. There was no running to be. It ain't possible. Had a bear run out there, I would have been dinner because I couldn't get away from anybody. <laughs> it, it absolutely killed me. Uh, ben from Brandon texts the show. Okay, that was Ben. That was Ben who uh, worked out in the Delta all summer. Yeah, the unnamed texture. The formerly the unnamed texture. Yeah, Spence remembers the military obstacle course on the hill. He went through it as well. <laughs> so it was still there when I left. And he still has his soldier dog tags. Yep, yeah, I got dog tags. That was good stuff. Yep, that's right. That was the obstacle. There was... For us old dogs that went to Mississippi State back in the day, again, you look out there right now where the current football facility is sitting. 
that used to be a hill. And up on the top of that hill, you'll remember, there was this tower, this wooden tower, that the Army ROTC program on campus used for repelling exercises. Remember that? You could see it when you drove by on Highway 12. And right at the base of it is where Coach Grant put in the obstacle course, yeah. And would get a great big kick out of people just dying on that thing. (laughs) He's the only strength coach I ever saw. Like if you about to pass out or you just gave out and laid down, instead of getting mad, he'd just laugh. He thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) That's great. That's right. Great guy. But then, you know, you get into practice, finally all that stuff ends. Get to actually do some stuff with a football for a change. Anyway, if you're on offense, anyway. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, let me let me break for some. Everybody who's listening right now, and all you guys texting the show, and Louvier and Chris and Jonathan, Ben, Spence, listen. Something happened yesterday afternoon on Jake's show, Jake Wimberly's show. I've heard rumors of, of the things that sometimes Jake get tongue-tied or as he says, mispronunciate something, you know? <laughs> something happened on yesterday's show, and I was listening live when it happened. Beaver producing Jake's show and Jake Wimberly trying to read a text. Let's hear it, Roger. All right, here we go. Lorab says concussion stands, or con- concussion stand funds jamboree. The concession stand funds the jamborees. <laughs> Is that what it says? Okay, I messed that up. The concession stands. Say that again. What? <laughs> Most people like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Jake. <laughs> and don't hit my favorite, my personal favorite. Don't buy the Hyper Bowl. <laughs> don't buy the Hyper Bowl. Hey, man. Uh, we love Jake, by the way. For, for those people who are getting mad at us, we did, we love him. <laughs> <laughs> but it got him again yesterday. It was like, I'd heard all these things. I've heard the other clips from things, but it's always a replay. I heard this one live myself <clears throat> listening on my phone, and I cracked up all by myself yesterday afternoon. Lil Reb says concussion stands... Oh, con- concussion stand funds jamboree. The concession stand funds the jamborees. <laughs> Is that what it says? Okay, I messed that up. The concession stands. Say that again. What? <laughs> he he got locked in on concussion, man. He wasn't having it any other way. <laughs> he got locked in, and I, yo, Beaver. <laughs> Beaver just has that deadpan way of correcting him. Instead of saying, no, man, that's not what it says. He just read it. The concession stand funds the jamboree. You know, like a like a grandchild being patient with his doddering doddering grandfather. <laughs> oh, hey, and speaking of Beaver, this whole Sonic Boom thing was apparently... Man, you got him in trouble, man. Like, apparently that was a real thing, and... And then I was just playfully going to pick on him about it on Twitter today, and Chris uh, accused me of peeling back the scab on that whole wound right there. <laughs> so I apologize. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. I was just having fun. Who knew Matt Wyatt was a social media <laughs> instigator?
I guess I am. Let's talk to another social media instigator next, Brett Hudson. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. We are out here. (laughs) We out here. We're going to talk to Brett Hudson coming up. And I'm making a note here. I keep a little notepad handy during the show. And I'm making a note in hour number two. I want to come back to this. uh, 24-7 Sports. Y'all know who 24-7 is. They cover recruiting. You know, that's the... Scout is gone. Rivals hanging on by a thread. 24-7 sports doing well across the country. And they put a graphic out here. Recruiting budgets, schools that spend the most on their recruiting budget. Number one in the country is Georgia. $2.6 million in their recruiting budget. That is almost, not quite, but almost a million dollars more than the number two team, which is Texas. And say what you want about Alabama, but in terms of what they spend on their recruiting budget, they're not even in the top 10 right now. Good gracious alive. What you got? You get a lot of good players with $2 million. Yeah, that's right. I guess, well, I guess that's the thought. All right. Time to jump it on over to the. Yeah, I'll come back to that. I'm going to retweet it. Time to jump it on over to the. Divini Equipment Phone, Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. They're the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America. Do you know that? That means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else. Fall specials have begun on Kubota Red Max and everything else, from the big mowers, commercial to residential to hand tools, right on through the lineup. Head on over to Divini. On the Divini phone is Brett Hudson, part of the media crew here. Brett underscore Hudson on Twitter. Y'all give him a follow if you don't already. Brett, $2.6 million Georgia's recruiting budget. How are you supposed to compete with that? Um, well, that's, that's an interesting question because not only do you have $2.6 million of a recruiting budget, but you're also, what, an hour away from Atlanta? Yep. Otherwise known as the greatest talent hotbed in, in America? Man, I, I don't know how Kirby Smart wakes up every morning with uh, with all these problems he's got he's got on his hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, how do you compete with that? Well, you you have a program that was really good in the '30s, '40s, and '50s because those are generally the programs that have money right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how that's how you do it. If your if your program was good then, then you got a chance. If your program wasn't good then, then I got bad news for you. You're probably UCF. <laughs> Got yeah. bad news for you. Yeah, you're way behind. Or trying FIU, to or Georgia State, or whoever. That's uh, yeah. that's probably who you are. Got yeah. uh, got bad news for you. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know the the money thing is so out of whack from the top to the bottom in college football for sure. Um, and and there's just there's just no money to let the players go go have a nice meal in the town every now and then. You know, <laughs> there's just. There's just no way in this budget that we could help football players not live like like people from the poorhouse. You know, there's just there's just no room in this budget. It's crazy. Yeah, it's and crazy. you know, Brett, that's uh, that's true. 
It's interesting you bring that up because in reality, and anybody with one eye, let alone two, can easily see and do easy, very simple elementary math and see there is plenty of money. Okay, it's not a money thing. Like there's plenty of money to throw at any number of players for anything. So why don't why don't we hear that more? I wonder. What you know, and I, I I know the answer. I know it's because the the amateurism model as it is right now supposedly gives the NCAA a a pedestal to stand on and say, hey, look, we we can't just go complete. Uh, willy-nilly Wild West, because then everybody's just going to go out and buy players. But aren't all these schools and their boosters already doing that? Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to shift the topic of no, conversation. No, no problem. We got to get the Mississippi State from Beverly. Um, so I think the whole the whole amateurism defense is totally useless now with the FBI investigation proving that high school athletes in, in that exact instance. <laughs> High school athletes, because the NCAA says they are, uh, they're very clearly valuable and able to be monetized. Therefore, the whole prospect of, and concept of amateurism is nothing short of laughable at this point. Um, I, I think the, the complicating factor is Title IX, uh, yep. and I don't want to co- paint Title IX as a complicating factor, something that has to be overcome. It's obviously a good law and piece of legislation on, on its own right, it just makes it hard to, to pay uh, student athletes what their fair market value right. is because there right. has to be a certain equal number, equal uh, opportunity there. So that's that's the actual hurdle for, for me yeah. for, uh, for compensating college athletes beyond their scholarship. It's, it's Title IX. It's not that amateurism thing that the NCAA could strike down in the next 30 seconds if they wanted to. They could send out one press release and amateurism could be over forever. Yeah, that's right. Brett Hudson on your radio. Yeah, I did want to talk to you about Mississippi State starting practice tonight. Tonight will be practice number one. But you wrote a piece that is a comprehensive position-by-position look at that football team going into tonight. And if you're listening, I encourage you to read it. Just go to mattwyattmedia.com or look at Brett's Twitter feed. He's got links all over it. It's uh, just Brett underscore Hudson. So, Brett, let's start here. Not quarterback. <laughs> Other than quarterback. What are some interesting position battles at Mississippi State? I would I would actually rank the, the position battles in terms of my level of interest in them, and I can I'm mean, include quarterbacks in this to, to make a point. I mm-hmm. think it's one wide receiver, two defensive tackle, three quarterback. I, I'm just I'm not as intrigued in, in the quarterback battle as I am wide receiver and defensive tackle because the quarterback battle comes with the context of what we saw last year where the entire offense was held back by the, the lack of advancement in the passing concept and concepts and particularly the lack of a true downfield deep threat so the, the quarterback battle is going to be pretty simple whichever whichever player out of the tommy stevens and keaton thompson uh battle whichever one of them is able to comprehend the moorhead passing concepts better and most importantly connect on on passes 20 plus yards down the field that's going to be your winner that's pretty cut and dry wide receiver and defensive tackle are, are pretty 
different issues, wide receiver. There's there's a lot that went into um, Mississippi State's passing struggles last year on the on the wide receiver level of things, and they deserve their fair share of blame for uh, for, for the lack of downfield passing attacks last year as well. And there's so many options there. I mean, we we expect big things out of Stephen Gidring and, and Osiris Mitchell, so those are probably the two guys that are getting the most attention on the outside. But if they don't immediately deliver, there are plenty of options there. Uh, Devontae Watt-Jason is is a guy who came highly regarded, and the talent level is there for him to be a, a standout SEC wide receiver. They went and got a transfer from Kansas State, Isaiah Zuber, for this exact reason, for more options on the outside as a wide receiver. So there's there's options there, and, and there, there are a lot of guys that I haven't mentioned, like Malik Deer and, and Cam Gardner, the, the Starkville product. Uh, yeah. they, they very well could do it. There are options. It's just a matter of of which of those options steps up and to what degree they're able to to fix the, the issues that were so obvious last year. And then defensive tackle is interesting because the, the two veterans of the group, one of them, Kendall Jones, missed a good bit of spring and he's no guarantee to be available for week one against Louisiana Lafayette as, as he comes back. So you're going to see a lot of young guys in there. Most people are talking about the true freshman, Nathan Pickering, because everyone remembers his recruiting rankings. And uh, it's funny how that's the only thing people remember. Uh, but there, there are other guys on, on the roster. Fabian Lovett is one who I think you're going to see a lot of this year. And then there's a, a big crew of guys behind him, Jaden Crumedy and Devin, Robin, Devin Robinson being big two that I think you're going to see a, a pretty good bit of. It just comes down to, frankly, their own performances as, as individuals in, in preseason camp, how much we see of them. But it's kind of a, a new up-and-coming class of, of players. At defensive tackle, so I'm pretty I'm pretty riveted by that battle as well. Sure, Brett, I am too. The defensive tackle deal, um, and and I want I phrase the question this way: If you were a Mississippi State fan, you're not. You're an objective media person. You you didn't grow up here, a lifelong fan. You didn't go to school at state. You know, so you you're able to be objective. But if you were a diehard State fan. Would you be officially worried? I got like one minute before the music starts. Would you be officially worried about defensive tackle? Probably, yes. Just because you have options, but there's no guaranteed ceiling mm. with with those with those defensive tackles. I mean, there's there's potential in guys like Nathan Pickering and, and Fabian Lovett and Jaden Cromedy and Devon Robinson and and that type, but you don't know how high that ceiling is going to be. Now, I wouldn't be worried about it a ton because there is that safety net of being just incredibly awesome at both defensive end and linebacker. Yeah. So it's not going to keep me up at night, but I, I would have a little bit of stress about defensive tackle for sure. Okay. Hey, buddy, thank you for your time. I know it'll be kind of a, a, a late, relatively late night, at least compared to the last couple of weeks. we got football happening. So uh, we'll look for your coverage, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It's Brett Hudson. Follow him on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson. Practice number one tonight. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two is about to begin. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.